I want to talk to us a little bit about faith. And faith is something that we hear a lot about, but it's something that I don't think that we can hear enough about. Because every situation in our life uh, demands faith. Faith always comes with a challenge. Faith comes with, uh, and it demands a response, a reply. And the reply that we give really shows how much trust we have in God. It really shows where we are in our walk with God. And if we ever think that we're going to get out of a situation where, it's not gonna, where we're not going to need faith, we've got another think coming because it is going to happen. And uh, so I want us to take a, a story that we should be familiar about, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, let's take that story and then let's look at it and uh, pull maybe a little bit more out of it and take a look at, at faith today. In Daniel chapter 3, verse 6, let's just take a look at the background and, and see what's going on here. He says, uh, at this time, some astrologers came forward and, and denounced, I'm going to have to get out here where some light is, and denounced, uh, yeah, denounced the Jews. They said, King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You have issued a decree, O God, O king, that everyone who knows the sound or who hears the sound of uh, the horn, flute, uh, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into the blazing furnace. But there are some Jews who have who you have uh, set over the affairs of the province of uh, Babylon, and their names Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the, of the, the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. Everybody said, but. But. If you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to, to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. So basically on this, this setting, we see that these guys are minding their own business, and here comes the challenge. And we need to know that in our lives, you might, you know, at work or wherever you are, just going about your, your business, you're carrying out your daily life, that uh, challenges are going to come. How many of you know that? How many of you have faced some challenges in your life? Uh, something's going to come to test your faith, to test your loyalty, to, to see if you're really who you say that you are. You know, a lot of things happen that come to see, are we going to take a stand for God or are we going to, to back up? And so uh, there's always this encounter that demands faith. 
And uh, usually Satan comes to negotiate and gives you a second chance. And that's what King Nebuchadnezzar did there when he says, uh, uh, he said, if you are ready. Remember there that verse, he said, if you are ready, then he says, then you can bow down and worship me. And uh, he gives a second chance to see if we'll back up. Maybe we'll change our mind. Are you really serious about this? Uh, he's saying things are getting ready to be, to be real serious. There's a real furnace over here. Uh, there are, this is a very real situation. Now, are you still ready to maintain your profession of faith? You know, we can talk real big when we're in church or various things around one another. But you go get that doctor's report, and then the devil says, Now, are you still ready to declare that by his stripes you're healed? Or we get, you know, some other thing happens, and are we still ready when we hear that report or when we are confronted with that situation once again, are you still going to maintain that profession of faith? And uh, then it's like Nebuchadnezzar said, then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? You know? Who's going to be able to save you from this situation or that situation or that circumstance? And so it really makes us take a, a check of our faith and look around and see, you know, is this thing real? Is God real? You know, here's the situation, and it's easy to talk about faith, and here we have this whole other world of Christianity that we live in, but now then we turn around and we face, now we're facing real situations. We're facing a real fiery furnace over here now. We can feel the heat from it right here. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And it's almost like that we want to cruise along through our life and maybe just kind of split the difference. And hopefully we'll, the two will never converge and that we'll have to really face this fiery furnace and then, you know, just think, well, maybe God and, and all this that I've read about, maybe it is just something that is just a figment of my imagination or it's just a religion or it's just there because will it really work in my circumstance or my situation that's when it gets real so faith real faith demands a reply and that's where it gets serious I've been in situations like that it's when it's like okay now then now then are you still gonna declare the Word of God are you still going to maintain your profession of faith you know uh, their reply, when their reply came, you know, basically it said, you know, no, no second chance is needed. Uh, there's no doubt, still no doubt in my mind what God would do. There was no wavering in, the, in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There was no uncertainty in them at all as we read this story. And they said, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, it says, we, I mean, <laughs> i got to find some light here. I'm going to hang me a flashlight up there. We, but we're not done yet. We're not done yet. It says, uh, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this situation. I don't need to defend myself. I don't need to, you know, say, well, uh, you know, back up and say, well, God does this and God does that. And, and uh, have you ever felt that way where you had to apologize for God or you're afraid to really put God on the spot in case he didn't, it didn't work? Yeah, we're kind of like, well, okay, we'll, we'll kind of give an explanation where we're not really having to put God on the spot and demand that he does something. Because if he doesn't do it, then, then what are we going to do? Uh, let me tell you something. You don't have to defend God, and you don't have to defend yourselves. You don't have to defend your faith against the enemy or the circumstances that comes. You know? By, you know, by this time, that uh, most people in this, given this situation that, that Shadrach, Meshach, 
and Abednego were in, um, they would had a reason to bow down to the image. You know, what's interesting to me, what I've always looked at is Daniel was a great man of faith, and, you know, he was thrown into the lion's den for praying, but, but where was Daniel in this deal, <laughs> you know? Uh, I'm just saying, he, he was there at that time, and for some reason or another, uh, either either he did bow down or something happened that he wasn't in the situation or circumstance, but most everybody else found some reason to reason with God to say why they went ahead and bowed down. You know, uh, you know maybe they might have said, well, well God, you know that uh, it's not really in my heart to, to do this, to, to bow down, but, um, you know, but only because I have to is why I'm doing this. Or, you know, uh, God knows that... Uh, uh, you know, Lord, you know I don't have any other choice. This is all the only choice I have, and or whatever. We start to make excuses to God and reason with Him on why we have to go ahead and follow along with the the order, the decree, or the report, or the whatever it is that's causing us to give in. And uh, you know, this whole entire episode that we're looking at here is a demonstration of faith that they had, and it's put there for us to learn some things and. What I've found is that there are five things, five facts about faith, and I thought that I, just, I had already found all the facts about faith that there is. You know, and the more I look at faith, the broader it gets, and I've preached a lot of messages on faith, but as I went back to read this again, I found five facts uh, about faith that, uh, in these verses that we need to apply in our life. The very first fact that I saw or was reminded of was that faith is not intimidated. Real faith is not intimidated. You know, verse 16, they said, uh, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this, in this matter. We're not intimidated. You don't scare us. We don't have to give, you know, we don't have to defend ourselves before you. We didn't bow down, and we don't plan to bow down. Faith is not intimidated. Real faith. When you're in a situation, in a circumstance, you know when you're really acting in real faith is when you take that step out of the boat and you have no fear, no intimidation that God is God. And, um, you know, we need that kind of faith that uh, cannot be threatened or intimidated by the world or what the world has to offer or what the world brings to us or what life situations deal to us that does not give up under pressure. I think that for, you know, many years we've had the opportunity to cruise along and, and we haven't had a lot of pressure. And there's, you know, maybe at various times, but, you know, it's kind of like that um, entire world is in a pressure cooker, and Satan knows that his days, his hours are short. His minutes are short in this day and hour that we're living in, and it's like that uh, we're seeing that, that we're in a pressure cooker, and uh, we've got to give a response, and real faith is not intimidated. So I challenge you not to be intimidated when faced with circ these circumstances. You know, the king, he was trying to scare them. He and intimidate him, and, and uh, you know, they let him know real quick that uh, he, he didn't shake their peach tree, you know, I mean, he, he ain't bothering me, <laughs> go ahead, you know, we don't have to give a, a defense to you, and, um, you know, it's, this is the same spirit, uh, uh, the same old thing that, that Satan has used time and time again, is it's coming up here again, it's fear and intimidation, that's the first thing that he brings against us, fear and intimidation, but the Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of 
power and of love and of a sound mind. That's what the Word of God says, and that's what comes up out of us. That's why we ought to know the Word of God, memorize the Word of God, so that when we're faced with circumstances and situations, that we begin to quote the Word of God, speak forth the Word of God, just as Jesus did in his time of testing in the wilderness. And when we begin to speak forth that Word, then our soul <laughs> and our mind hears that as well, and faith comes by hearing and hearing from the Word. We need to hear it ourselves, and we need to hear ourselves say it. I remember when I was in CCU, I, I guess I was still un, unconscious or whatever, wherever I was, but I, I remember the Word of God and, and, and declaring the Word of God. And when I woke up, I was declaring the Word of God, saying, trying to say with, a, with this ventilator down my throat, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Now, that looked a little stupid, when I was laying in, in the bed, strapped down, they had me tied down uh, to the bed because I guess I'd been fighting them earlier or something like that. I didn't want to be strapped down into a bed. But anyway, uh, it looked a little strange saying that, the greater is he that's in me that's in, than he that's in the world, when it looked like that the greater things had pinned me down to the bed. But something within us in our spirit, faith, real faith is not intimidated, and it comes back with the Word of God that declares that, you know what, God's not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, and we begin to declare and prophesy to ourselves and to our soul and to our, our, our body that, that to come into submission to the Word of God. It says that, that uh, thanks be unto God who's given us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what His Word says. He's given us the victory. So here's the thing that you've got to be certain of, that no matter what the situation, and we'll see this displayed in the lives of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that no matter what the circumstance or the, situ the situation is, is that they knew that they had victory. And that's what we're going to see, that sometimes victory doesn't look like victory. Did anybody get that? Sometimes real victory doesn't look like victory. Jesus had victory on the cross on Friday, but it didn't look like victory until Sunday sometimes our victory doesn't really look like victory when we're down and hard-pressed Paul said hard-pressed but not crushed uh, that doesn't look like victory but the thing is is that we don't go by what we see but we go by what we believe and what we know to be the fact in the Word of God and so you know God has given us the victory over this spirit of fear and you need to have that settled and you need to settle that now before you even get to get close to the fiery furnaces of life have it settled now that that I am I am not afraid you know at different times in my life when confronted with certain issues and different things there was a time in my life when I was very afraid I mean I knew Satan was real and had had some encounters and I, I was very fearful of him and he knew that and he had me on the run I'm serious and there was a time that came I remember I worked for Rock Island Railroad and and uh, God was doing was dealing with me in my life at that time about ministry and various things and I said I've seen that and don't want that and all this other things but um, I remember walking down what they called uh, the rip track and where they would uh, rip box cars apart and different things and where they would put uh, box cars and various things that had been damaged and I was walking down through there and, and Satan was just like right on my shoulder just 
telling me all this and all this stuff that he was going to do and, and what I couldn't do and this and that. And, and I was, boy, I mean, I was thinking, oh, my goodness, you know, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And all of a sudden, here comes this, box, this door off of a boxcar, which is gigantic and steel, comes crashing down. Uh, fortunately, there's another boxcar sitting here, and I'm in between, and it crashed into that. But, boy, I want to tell you something. I did me some running back to the truck. <laughs> And I was thinking about that. It was like Satan was just laughing and laughing and laughing. I couldn't get that out of my head. And the next day I was reading the word of God. And I read there where Jesus said, I have given you authority. It says in the King James power, but it's translated authority. I've given you authority over serpents and scorpions and all of the power of the evil one, of the enemy. And Satan does have power. That's what he says. Jesus says that, he has, that Satan does have power. Don't think that he doesn't. But we have authority over that power. And I got a revelation of that. And I remember I was sitting at my desk at the house and I slammed my hand down and I stood up and I began to tell the devil that I, I, that's the last time that I'm ever going to be afraid of you. And boy, it seemed like he came back and I just pushed forward and I said, I am not intimidated. I said, I have authority over you. Get out of here and don't even try this anymore. I don't know what all I was saying, and, but I... But, that something rose up within me, something awakened within me, and it was faith that woke up, and it was a revelation that woke up that said, you have victory over this power, and you don't have to be afraid of what Satan has to say. Amen. And when I got that, since that time, there's never been any fear. There's never been any intimidation. Uh, in fact, even I've had various visions and various things of, spiritual warfare and of all those times I've gone back to to search and to try to check and never was I afraid never was I fearful some of you heard my testimony this last time that the whole situation there was never any fear there was never any intimidation because I know that I know that I know that God is well able and he's works for me and if he then greater is he that's for me than he that's against me amen you've got to get a revelation of that because you can't go any further if you allow Satan to push you down with fear and intimidation, he'll continue to do it, and he'll, he'll laugh at it, and he thinks it's, it's, like the, it's like the bully, you know. It's kind of like, you know, the gang mentality. I had to change schools. I didn't have to, but I chose to because I had fallen in love with a young woman in Topeka, Kansas at a, at a uh, church camp, and so I moved my senior year. Now, that's, that's dedication. That's love. Uh, I moved my senior year of high school from Oklahoma to, to Topeka, Kansas. And so uh, I had, actually there was more credits. Uh, I had more credits in Oklahoma than what they required in Kansas. I only had to go a half a day for a half a year. But they had something in, in Topeka, Kansas that we didn't have in Kingston, Oklahoma. And that was some gangs. And so well, I'm walking through the hallway. Of course, you know, I don't know anybody and nobody knows me. And uh, all of a sudden, these guys decided to sit on the steps right where I was needed to go and go through and give you one of those kind of looks of like, you know, what you going to do? And I thought, then I thought, you know, if you back up, you, if you back up now, you'll be backing up forever, you know? So whatever's coming, just get it over with now. And uh, so, you know, kind of had this situation and some stare downs, and I just walked right on through and, and let them know that, on the outside, 
I wasn't fearful, but in the inside I was going, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I don't know how this is going to come out, but, you know, <laughs> I'm going to try to get through. You know, I'm going to make it through one way or the other. But, uh, but I never had any problems after that. A couple other challenges, but nothing after that. And, and so I applied that in my spiritual life. I thought, why am I allowing the devil to intimidate me and, and keep me from occupying what God has given me? And so uh, the very first thing that we have to do is not allow fear and intimidation to work in our lives. It's amazing how we'll do it in the natural realm, but when it comes to spiritual things and it comes to uh, lifetime fiery furnaces that somehow or another we begin to back up in our spirit. Our spirit man needs to be so much stronger than our natural man. And so that's the very first thing is, is that fear is not intimidated. The second thing that I see in this second fact that I see here is that faith is not afraid to face reality. So I wanted to give you a little pause there to maybe think about it because I, I remember when we moved to Tulsa, Tulsa Oklahoma and uh, the buckle on the Bible belt, the home of Rama Bible Institute, that's uh, Kenneth Hagin's uh, Bible School, uh, or Roberts University. I mean, it's like everybody, when, when we were there, it's like any, everybody that was anybody in preaching or in faith and declaration at least came through there and preached. And, and it was almost got to the point of where like, that if you acknowledged, for instance, uh, I went to the doctor today and the doctor said that, you know, I've got the flu. Oh, don't say you got the flu. That's a negative confession. You shouldn't say that you have the flu because then you'll get the flu. It's like, I already got it. <laughs> well, you must have it because you admitted it, you know. Okay, well, I didn't know I had it until the doctor told me. <laughs> you know, and so it was this thing. And it was almost this challenge about, you know, don't say it. Don't look at it, you know, and don't even think about it. Don't even let that thought come into your mind. <laughs> if I told you, you know, uh, don't think about uh, a, a bluebell, which is very rare at this, at this moment, a bluebell uh, chocolate sundae with the chocolate dripping down through there. If I told you don't think about that, it's like, it's too late. <laughs> too late. I'm already thinking about it, you know? And so <laughs> whenever someone tells you don't think that you're sick, then you're immediately thinking, okay. But, and you've you got this struggle going on, and then you, then you have this fear that rises up within you because then you feel like, oh, my goodness, you know, I must be weak in my faith because I'm giving in, and I don't mean to have a negative confession, but, and I don't know what to do, and here you go. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And so it's like, you know, well, don't tell me what reality is because if I hear what, if I hear bluebell chocolate Sunday, I'm going to think about bluebell chocolate Sunday. So don't, I don't even want to report. Don't tell me what's going on. That way I don't have to think about it. And I'll just go along praising the Lord. And it's easy to praise the Lord when you don't know what's going on. But how many of you know that when you do know what's going on, that that's when it gets tough? Real faith is not afraid to face reality. Jesus knew what was coming, and he had the faith to go through. And so here's how we begin to apply this in our life. It, they say in, in their situation, if we're thrown into the, the blazing furnace, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, now wait a minute, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you just said, you know, hey, king, we're not afraid of you. You don't intimidate us. We don't have to give it defense for, our, for us or for who we are. And then you start saying, if, if we are thrown into the 
if, wait a minute, you, you're, giving, you're giving place to the devil to get a foothold there to, to throw you into the fire furnace because you just said if. Right? Sometimes we've been conditioned to there, but, but I mean, wait a minute, this is in the Word of God. We're supposed to learn, learn something from it, right? What they're doing here is they're, they're saying, let me tell you something. The faith we have is not even afraid to face the fire, the, the face reality if we are thrown into the fiery furnace. You know what? Because sometimes there's fiery furnaces in our lives. Job was uh, tested and, and tried. And, and, you know, Paul, uh, he talked about, he asked the Lord, he said, I've sought you three times about deliver me from this thing, and, and you haven't done it yet. And, and uh, Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. And the children of Israel were persecuted and, and intimidated by some giant until some young man named David got out there and faced him. But, you know, we have these things that come up in our lives. Even Jesus in the garden, he was, what was he fighting? He was struggling over facing the fact that he had to go into his fiery furnace, which was the cross. And so they said, you know, even if we are thrown into the fiery furnace, they said our faith is strong enough that we're not afraid to, afraid to face reality. You see, when you get that doctor's report, Say, you know what? It does even, even if that thing comes back positive, even if it does say such and such, I'm going to serve you. I still got victory. That's what he's saying. Denial is not some river in Egypt. <laughs> so let it go. <laughs> Denial is something that's intentional something that we hide behind, something that we, we use as a shield or a covering as, or as a blinder that we deny those things are happening so we don't have to face them because if we face them, then, it, then they might happen. And we, what will we do if they happen? We don't, then we don't have a plan B. You know, we, we don't need to have a plan B. We just have a plan G. That's God. We don't have to worry about it. In the fiery furnace or out of the fiery furnace, in the tribulation, out of the tribulation, you know, Lazarus died, but he was raised from the dead. What difference does it make? That's what they're saying. It don't matter. Kill us. <laughs> Go ahead and kill us. And even if, we're, if you kill us, we're still not going to serve you. Still not going to serve you. That's the kind of faith that we've got to have. Faith that is not afraid to face reality that says no matter if, if this storm comes, we're still not going to serve you. I'll not bow my knee to you, O king, Satan, you know. Uh, and that's what they were saying. You know, uh, our, our faith, uh, just some notes that I jotted down about this. You know, our faith needs to face the reality that we may go through the fire. I say, boy, pa pastor, I don't know if I like that or not. Well, of course you don't like it. I don't like it either because <laughs> I don't want to go through the fire. Well, what kind of faith is that? That's the kind of faith that I read about in the Word of God. Is that what you see? But wouldn't we rather have um, a religion that we never have to face fiery trials or fiery furnaces or giants or Red Seas or the cross? Or That would be just wonderful, wouldn't it? You know what? Well, one day <laughs> we'll be out of this world and we won't have to face it. But we still have the victory today. And what does it matter? What does that matter? 
We've got to get to that point of where, like, you know, it's like we say, well, you can kill me, but you can't eat me. <laughs> you know? uh, I can be washed, but I can't be drowned. I mean, it, even if we do go through the, the, this fiery furnace, we're not going to serve you. We're not going to bow our knee to you. I'll go out of here praising God if I go out. You know, the first thing on this is that we've got to be honest with ourselves. Because what good is it to have a, a faith that's never been tested? You know, faith, without, faith is not faith until it's tested. The trial of our faith is what brings about that perseverance and things. The, the trial of our faith. And faith is not real faith until it's tested. We hear it and it's birthed, but it doesn't become a reality until it's tested. And when it's put to the test, then that's one that I know that I know that I know that it's happened before and I can trust my God in it. So we've got to be honest with ourselves, you know. And so what kind, what kind of faith is it if we're really not honest with ourselves, that we've been really never tested it? We don't really know. We're just kind of sidestepping and we want to deny it. We want to go through with, with religious blinders on our eyes and, uh, you know, so, you know, a lot, many people walk around with, like the ostrich, with their head in their sand and, and not wanting to face the facts or they don't want to hear about all these things. But that's the things of life. And you know what? If you go through it, somebody else is going to go through it. And so the victory that you have from going through it is going to be able to be an encouragement to those when they get ready to go through it. Amen. And that's why God allows things to happen. We don't, he's sovereign. I don't understand those things. I don't understand it. But I don't have to understand it to believe it. That I know that my God, I know he loves me. I know he cares about me. And I know that I am secure and that I'm going to spend eternity with him. So what is a fiery furnace got to do with it? What is that? I mean, what's, what's so big about that? You know, Satan was able to, like, he was able to afflict Job, as I mentioned a while ago. And, and you know, these men were, they were, cast, they were cast into the fiery furnace. And we've got to have that kind of faith that, that faces reality and, and, and to know that, you know what, bad things might very well happen. And what we've learned from the story of Job is bad things happen to good people. But out of, the, out of it, we still win. We come out blessed with a double portion, blessed. You know, but how do we do that? How do we face that reality? He said, first of all, we've got to have the ability to be honest with ourselves, and then we've got to be willing to, uh, and really be willing and ready to make some changes. That we know that, you know, the life as we have known is getting ready to change when I go through this fiery furnace. I'm not going, I'm not going to be the same, and things won't be the same. So we've got to be willing to face some changes. But that's probably what we're most afraid of is we're afraid of the changes that, we, that might happen, you know, in this fiery furnace. But we've got to be willing to, to make some changes, but to know that, you know what, even though things, things change, God never changes. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He loves me, and he loved me then. He'll love me when. <laughs> we've got to be willing to allow ourselves to feel peace and true joy that comes from God, no matter what the circumstances. Paul said, no matter what state I'm in, there would be content. He, he talked about joy. Real joy rejoices by choice. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. He was, he was saying that from prison. He was writing the, the Philippians there, and he said it from, from prison. He said, rejoice in the Lord always, at all, at all times, in good times, bad times. 
when you're hard pressed, you can rejoice that you're not crushed, you know, and that God hasn't led you. And then we got also have to allow someone to, to speak into our lives. If we're going to face reality, some, you know, sometimes our perception of reality is not the real reality. You know, how many of you know what I'm talking about? And so we need to allow others to speak into our lives. We need to allow the Word of God to speak into our lives. And for, uh, we need a prayer partner. We need someone that will stand with us and will speak reality into our life, but also say, but even though that's there, I'm standing with you in prayer, and I'm not going to leave you, and I'm going I'm to stay with you, and we're going to pray our way through this thing. When any two agree as touching any one thing, Jesus said, there I am in the midst of you. So we've got to be willing to open ourselves up to someone else and allow someone else to come in and walk with us. The Bible says, how shall two walk together lest they be agreed? And it says, if one falls down, who's there to pick him up? If you don't have anybody around, who's there to pick you up? If you fall down in your faith, who's there to encourage you? What's the first thing that we do when we get discouraged? We, we isolate ourselves. We stay at home. It's either because we're discouraged that what we... <sighs> What we had perceived to be our reality that nothing bad's going to ever happen. Now something bad looks like it's going to happen, so we don't want to come to church to hear anything different. I tell you what, it takes courage to go ahead and continue to hear the Word of God in the face of the challenges that you have in life. Amen? But we want to isolate ourselves, and when we isolate ourselves, we become a bigger target for or the devil because then then we're alone and he's already got certain victory there because he's discouraging us and you know you say well pastor you know it's easy for you to say not to be discouraged are you kidding me <laughs> I, you know I, I I couldn't even I don't have enough toes and fingers to count how many times I've been discouraged you've been discouraged <laughs> yeah but the thing is I don't want to stay there I think everybody gets discouraged, but you don't stay there. Jesus got discouraged, but he didn't stay there. You said he got discouraged? Well, I think he was a little bit, you know, discouraged. He was going through that. He was struggling with his humanity in the Garden of Gethsemane. But he didn't stay that way. Paul said, you know, not only did he say hard-pressed but not crushed, but he said perplexed but not in despair. I'm perplexed. I don't understand this. We're, you know, God's not the author of confusion, so I shouldn't be confused that God is God, and he's given me victory, and I'm going to come through this thing. So I, I'm not confused about that, but I'm a little bit perplexed that this situation's come about. But I'm not going to be in despair. So, yeah, we, you can get discouraged, but just don't stay there. You know, just write down, say, I'm discouraged, and then take it and fold it up and walk over to a, trash can and throw it away and say, okay, now then I'm not discouraged anymore. <laughs> I got rid of that. Whatever you have to do, you know, or call somebody and say, man, pray with me because this thing's getting the best of me right now and I need somebody to stand with me because I'm getting a little discouraged. Oh, well, you can't admit that you're discouraged. Oh, well, you know what? I think it takes a person, a, a bigger person to admit I'm discouraged and I need somebody to pray with me. And somebody says, oh, I'm not discouraged. I'm not discouraged. And then go isolate themselves and and, and then allow the devil to continue to push you down? No, that's when you call somebody. It's when you say, come, pray with me. Pray with me right now because this thing's, you know, it's pushing in on me. Uh, it takes a stronger faith to go through the fire and to stand strong uh, with God than it does to just, you know, back away from it. It takes a strong faith to be able to do that. The third fact that I see here is, is that, 
that the faith that I see here is it's subject to the divine will of God. I said, well, of course, we're all subject to the divine will of God. Oh, really? Really? That don't bother you? The perfect will of God doesn't bother you? Well, no, pastor. I mean, I love God. I love Jesus, and I know, you know, he's a good God. I love him, and so his, his perfect will doesn't bother me. Well, it bothered Jesus. Again, let's go to the Garden of Gethsemane. What was he saying? What was he struggling over? And what was he? He said, finally, he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He was struggling over the point of submitting himself to God's will. Okay. All right. Then this is your will. We go to that fiery furnace. You know what? We're not afraid. And they stood up, boldly stood up, and they were not afraid to submit themselves to the divine will of God. Now, God, if this is your will for us to go to the furnace, we're going to go to the furnace. Wait, wait a minute. That doesn't compute. That's because we've been brainwashed, and Satan doesn't want us to see it that way. He wants us to think that real faith and a real, real Christian life will take us, you know, around things that we never, ever come in contact with difficulties or challenges. That's not real faith. You know, that's not real faith. I remember there was a time in our life when we were in a traveling ministry and we would sing and preach in revivals. And, yeah, we, we had challenge. We learned faith through some things, finances and various other things, praying. But, but you know, when you go from revival to revival, you know, that's kind of like uh, going from retreat to retreat to retreat and never having anything in between. It's just like, yeah, man, we, we're up, we are up here, you know. We're, we're on nines, but yeah, but it's when you come back down, it's when it's tough. That's why Peter, James, and John, they went with Jesus up on the Mount of Transfiguration, and they saw Jesus transfigured, and here's Moses and Elijah, and they're talking, and they're like, oh my goodness, this is awesome, this is just awesome. You know, they were like, they were having church, and Peter said, Lord, let us just build three little tabernacles, three little tents right here, and let's just stay on this mountain. Yeah, let's just have church right here. Let's don't go down there into Jerusalem where they're going to kill us. You know, and Jesus had already said, you know, he's going to be given over and, and he would be killed. And, you know, in the thought and in the whole concept of the thing, basically what Jesus tells them is I must needs go into Jerusalem, translating that into, hey, buddy, I got to go down off of the mountain. We got to go down to where, where we live. You can't just stay here all the time. You know, you can, it's fine when you're away from things, but you know what? We've got to go into the real world. There's always a Monday after Sunday, right? <laughs> there's always a valley after a mountaintop, and there's a reality that's there. And, you know, God's will, if he will lead us through the mountain, he'll take us through the valley. Amen? We used to sing an old southern gospel song about in the valley. You know, he, you know, and it talks about how he restores our soul as David was talking about that restoration. And they said in verse 17, God is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. God's able to deliver us from this fiery furnace. So they weren't afraid of that. And so, uh, you know, the God we serve, they said, is able to save us from it. So we need this faith that's always subject to the, the will of God. They were saying if it's God's will for us to go through this fiery furnace, then he's able to deliver us. And that, notice that uh, 
one of the, the, the word that sticks out to me there is able. He's able. God is able to do this. You know, it means he has uh, the power. He can do it. He can do it. But it's almost like he can't. Don't say he can. Real faith doesn't say he can. It says he will or he does. Not he can. You know, well, God, he could. I don't know if he will. And there are times when we get confused with that. It's like, well, you know, I know God can, but I just don't know if he will do it for me. In a sense, what they're saying is we know that our God is able to deliver us from this thing. But even if he doesn't, doesn't make any difference, we'll go through it because we still have the victory. You know, uh, our lives are always subject to the divine will of God, and so we need to just say we want to line up with it. Giant or no giant, Red Sea or no Red Sea, you know, fiery furnace or no fiery furnace, whatever it is, stoning or no, and I'm talking about biblical day stoning, not, all right, well, we're just moving on. These three men, they knew that God was able, and he says that, uh, you know, and we need this kind of faith that also knows that God is able, but also realizes that our life is subject to God's divine will, and that we uh, have to leave it all in his hands and just trust him. You know, that takes faith. Just like Jesus said, not my will, but thine be done. You say, Lord, you know, it's not, you know, I'd rather be doing other things than going through a fiery furnace, but you know what? Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And they didn't know at that particular time if that was going to be it or not, but that was what they were facing, you know? And again, we don't like to hear that. That's a hard thing for us to, to grasp, but it is also a hard thing for Jesus to go through. So they're not afraid to face reality. They're not a, also there. Uh, it's a real faith that's willing to submit to, the, to God's will. And the fourth thing that I saw, fact that I saw here, is that this kind of faith is a delivering faith. And again, in verse 17 it says, and he will deliver, or in the NIV says, uh, he will rescue us from uh, your hand, O king. It says, he's able to deliver us from the fiery furnace, but he will rescue us from your hand. There's no doubt. So he says, they said, you know, he can deliver us from the fiery furnace, and we might not even have to go through that. But one thing we do know is he will rescue us from your hand. They were sure of that. They submitted to God's will. They said, well, if it's God's will for us to go through the fiery furnace, then fine. You know, we know he's able to, to protect us, deliver us, or whatever he does. We're settled with that. But one thing we know, God will rescue us from your hand, O king. We need to have faith that knows that God will deliver us from the hand of the enemy. That no weapon that's formed or fashioned against us shall prosper. That Satan won't get the glory out of the thing. That he won't get the victory over it. There's a difference between the furnace and the hand of the enemy. You know, the furnace are things that happen. There's things that happen in life just because it's life and things are happening. And so, you know, and God can deliver us from those things or he may choose to allow us to go through those things. We don't know. We know he's able to. But one thing that we are certain of is that, that he will rescue us from the hand of the enemy. That Satan will not be able to, to get a, a stronghold there or get a foothold there. And there's a difference between it. You know, at first they said God is able and then, uh, then they said in God will. God's able to, to, to uh, deliver us from this fiery furnace, but God will rescue us from, the, from your hand, O king. And, uh, you know, they, they had a, uh, 
they had to resolve themselves to the fact of what God's will was, but they were certain, they were not confused about what God wanted to do for them. There's always uh, a faith that, that gives a, a sweet assurance that uh, uh, regardless of, of whether God delivers us from the fiery furnace or not, that we will know for, for certain that he will deliver us from the hand of the enemy. In Philippians chapter uh, 1, or chapter, yeah, chapter 1, verse 20, it says, Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. And Paul goes on to say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. One way or the other, Jesus is going to get victory out of this thing. You know, I, I, I'm not going to fall victim to the hand of the enemy. You know, and he said, I, I know God can, he's able to, to rescue, or he's, he's able to deliver me from this thing, this fiery furnace, but one thing I'm sure of, he will rescue me from the hand of the enemy, and as Paul said, you know, uh, Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death, for, for me to live as Christ, for me to die as gain. One way or the other, Satan, you're not getting victory out of this thing. They had that determination. Uh, so regardless of what uh, life brings our way, you know, we're always victorious over Satan, and as the Bible says, we are more than conquerors. And the last fact that I see out of this thing is, is that it's, we see that it's an unconditional faith. An unconditional faith. It, there in verse 18 it says, But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. It says, first of all, we want you to know that even if God doesn't, there's no conditions on this thing. We're not serving you. We're not bowing down. We're not going to make conditions. Because a lot of times we say, well, God, I'll serve you if, if you do this, God, then I'll do such and such. We put conditions on it. But this kind of faith, real faith, the faith that sees you through the fiery furnaces is an unconditional faith. You know, unconditional means not subject to any conditions. Are we putting conditions on God? Well, God, if you do such and such, then I'm going to do this. You know, Lord, if, you, if, if, if I win the lottery, then I'll start to give. <laughs> if you can't give out of what you have now, why should God give you anything more? And the other thing is he doesn't like conditions. He just wants obedience. Obedience without condition. And, it's, and, and this is the type of faith that's unconditional faith. It's, here's some synonyms to this unconditional faith. It means wholehearted. It means unqualified. It means unreserved, unlimited, unrestricted, unmitigated, unquestioning. That's the type of faith that they had. That's the type of faith that we need to have. No conditions on it. Unconditional. We want you to know, you know, all right, devil, I want you to know something, devil. <laughs> and even if God doesn't, you know, deliver me from this, if I go through this thing, I want you to know I'm still not bowing down to you. I'm still not going to be intimidated by you. I still have victory. God's going to get, be magnified in this thing. Like Paul said, God's going to be magnified whether I'm alive or dead. God's going to be magnified out of this situation. We've got to have that unconditional faith. You know, there's a lot of people that uh, they want to put, like I said, they want to put conditions on God. And if you're one of those, then you need to just remove all the conditions and say, God, I'm trusting you. And not negotiate at the table of the devil. Where he sets up to negotiate. Don't negotiate with him. Huh. No, uh, no conditions at all. You know, I'll, it's not I'll serve you if, or I'll follow you if, or I'll live for you if. 
There's no ifs in there. He just he wants us unconditionally. And they said, but if not, faith says, I'll serve you regardless. I'll follow you regardless. I'll live for you, Lord, regardless of what happens. I'm going to live for you. That there's nothing that could happen that would shake me loose from you. Wow, that's a bold statement. But that's the kind of faith that we need to have that, step, that steps up and says, I'm still serving God. Even in the midst of this thing, I'm still going to trust the Lord. And when they were thrown into the fiery furnace, they still just trusted the Lord. And here, Jesus said, I got to go be with these guys. They got some faith. I'm going to jump in there with them. And God gets, he, he jumps right in the fire with us. Amen. It takes a strong faith that says, but if not, when I hear, and when God hears someone say right, and tell the enemy, but if not, I'll still serve the Lord. He says, oh, yeah, now I got somebody there. God says, look, 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 that's, that's my child right there. They're saying, but even if not, I'm still going to. No conditions. It takes complete trust and security in God to be able to say that. 